Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need it fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear, and fine leather goods, all at 50% to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. You're listening to Cork Today on Replay. Phone and text lines are currently closed. This is Cork Today. Cork Today. With Patricia Messenger on C103. Cork's greatest And a very good Thursday morning to you as we welcome you along to Cork today. We've got Sadie and John Paul taking your calls at 1850-333-103. And I want to start by just saying thank you to people who have taken time out to send cards in uh, to wish uh, me all the best for the 30 years on air tomorrow. I really, really do appreciate them. And thank you. People have been uh, beyond uh, kind. Thank you to Anthony Pickford in uh, Limerick, one of our Limerick listeners who uh, always great to send a card is Anthony. Uh, thank you for that, uh, Anthony. Ben Ryan's Main Street in Donnerail. Thanks to everybody there and all the gang at the Southern Star, Kieran Siobhan and Con. Gorgeous card handwritten by the one and only Alice Taylor, who has the most beautiful handwriting, can I say. Thank you, Alice, for your kind words and kind thoughts in your card. And a gorgeous, this is, I thought it was cross-stitched when it came out of the envelope, because cross-stitching was something I used to do in a former life when I had time on my hands. But looking closely, it's been embroidered. Really is beautiful. Congratulations, Patricia, 30 years and the date for to, uh, the, well, the date actually is for Sunday the 15th, which is the correct date when I'll actually be 30 years on air with a little set of headphones and on air underneath it and that comes in from the lovely Mary Quality in Newmarket. Thank you for that Mary. It's a it's a card that I will treasure for sure. And I just want to give a quick mention to Kate Crowley and the gang at the West Cork Rapid Response Dr Jason, Betty and all of the committee because committee, Kate sent in a really lovely email with really gorgeous thoughts and comments on it and Kate it actually made me cry. It was just such a nice, people are just so kind and I really do appreciate it. So thank you uh, to Kate and hi to all of the gang of the West Cork Rapid Response who do the most amazing work. And talking of something that made me cry, have you seen the Super Value Christmas ad for 2020? It is just incredible. And I'm telling you, this is going to give the John Lewis ad a run for its money. Now, it's not as long as the John, the John Lewis ads are usually about a minute long. It's only 30 seconds, but it is incredible. I'm not going to give it away in case you haven't seen it. If you have seen it, you'll know when I talk about the surprise at the end and what no one was expecting, the kicker at the end. And the kicker at the end, for those of you that have seen it, really, I think 
makes us all realise just how much COVID and this pandemic has affected all of us. Even if we think it hasn't affected us, I think when you see this ad for the first time, it just packs a powerful punch. So well done to everybody at Super Value. I don't know who was the team behind it, but it is incredible. And as I say, we'll wait and see what John Lewis, John Lewis normally wins the best Christmas ad of the year and the John Lewis ad is expected to drop during I'm a Celebrity Get Me Out of Here on ITV on Sunday night obviously we, unless you're watching I'm a Celebrity on ITV we won't get to see it here in Ireland but don't you know it'll be available online very soon after that and everybody waits every year for the John Lewis ad and there's there's a very good Disney ad out of the moment as well that I saw that's it's based on a kind of a vintage Minnie Mouse teddy bear it's a cartoon one that's quite sweet as well but I'm telling you this super value ad is going to be hard to beat and I think it's going to be one of those ads we'll talk about in years to come we won't necessarily it's not one of those ads like the Barry's Tea one where they can keep replaying it over and over again you know that wonderful radio one where it just paints the picture of the train going around I mean I love that ad you always know Christmas has arrived when that ad is on the radio it's not it's not like something like that that they'll be able to show year after year because it's even though Covid isn't mentioned at all in the ad but when it gets to the end of it, you just realise the impact that COVID has, has, has and is having on all of our lives. So well done to everybody in Super Value. It is just gave me such a warm, fuzzy feeling. But it, on the first showing of it for me, I cried. Now, I don't know, will I cry every time I see it? I'm an emotional person, so probably, yes, I will. But keep a look out. If you have seen it, I'd love to uh, hear your, your comments on it. It's online, by the way, if anybody, if you just Google the uh, Super Value Christmas ad, you will be able to uh, see it. And Christmas is on a lot of people's minds, uh, obviously, at the moment. And I know the Taoiseach, Micheál Martin, is coming under huge pressure to move the country into level two restrictions for the month of December and to do it for uh, Christmas. Micheál Martin, was speaking in the Dáil yesterday and he's openly said that his target is move us out of level five but move us to level three restrictions after this uh, lockdown. But as soon as he mentioned that, seemingly there was, he was then inundated with calls from his own party members to ease the restrictions even further for Christmas because if we go from level five to level three, Level three means that you visitors can your, to your household can only be from one other household. It also means that pubs and gastropubs and cafes, they would be restricted to take away an outdoor service. Do you remember the outdoor service of 15 people? So that's all that pubs and restaurants would be allowed to have. People would need to also, under level three, you wouldn't be able to leave your own county, except you're doing it for essential purposes, which would mean if you are living in we're living here in Cork if you've got family living in Dublin if you've got family in Kerry who normally come home for Christmas they wouldn't be able to come home for Christmas because travelling home for Christmas I'm assuming wouldn't be deemed essential unless they change the rules on that so you'd have to stay within your own county and the other one that I think will come as a bitter pill for a lot of people to to swallow under level 3 Religious services remain online. That would mean that churches would not be open on Christmas Day for Mass. Whereas if we went into level two, which is what the push now has been made to the Taoiseach, 
under level two, you can go outside of your county. You could travel if you wanted to travel home, if home is a different county. Are you people in other parts of the country wanting to come home to you? They would be able to do that. And also under level two, you're allowed more visitors into your home. So that would mean you'd be able to have more people over to your house for Christmas, be it to celebrate Christmas itself or maybe to have friends over, you know, over the Christmas uh, period. Uh, Fianna Fáil Parliamentary Party meeting was held last night and it seems TDs and Senators called for the Level 2 restrictions to be put in place when we move out of Level 5 and uh, many of them of the Fianna Fáil members are quoted in the papers today. Cormac Devlin, a Fianna Fáil TD, he said people had already made tremendous sacrifices during the Level 5 national lockdown and he said, subject to public health advice, he feels that the government should go to Level 2. But he said, do Level 2 with tweaks. Because he said by doing that, people would be allowed to have some kind of Christmas. And the Fianna Fáil Senator Malcolm Byrne, he said there should be emphasis on personal responsibility at Christmas. But he said if the regulations are too strict, he reckons what will happen is people will flaunt them. People would just simply break them and say it's Christmas. I'm going home for Christmas. I don't care what rules and regulations are in place. So he says, if you know, if you go into level two and you say to people, personal responsibility, you know, know the limits, know that you shouldn't be in an area with a lot of people, for example, he reckons people would abide uh, by that. But then there's also a bit of a worry now about a surge in cross-border pre-Christmas shopping trips because Northern Ireland are moving it, look, it looks like Northern Ireland could be back up and open for business. They're four weeks. Remember, they've had this circuit breaker lockdown, kind of similar to what we've had here in Level 5. They've had that in the six counties, but they just, they had it for four weeks rather than for six weeks. So their four weeks ends in the early hours of tomorrow morning. But yesterday and right up to last night, Stormont talks on whether the measures should be relaxed or extended for another week or two ended without agreement. And I think a lot of people were pushing for that they should bring it similar to where where we are here in Ireland in the south and keep it while we're in level five, keep the north in, even though they would have gone into that lockdown earlier. But people are saying... There is that feeling, particularly on the border counties, that that's what they need uh, to do. We still have a little under three more weeks left of the, well, we've almost three weeks left of the level five lockdown here. So if suddenly tomorrow night from midnight, Northern Ireland shops open and businesses open, there is this concern that there would be a trail of shoppers heading across the border as uncertainty remains over how much business is going to resume here and when will it be? Will it be from the start of December and what's it going to be like? Will there be massive queues outside shop doors? And I know I saw a GP speaking on the TV last night and then there's another GP and I don't know if it's the same guy because there's a Lifford GP quoted in the papers today, Dr Martin Coyne, and he's saying we will have a real problem in Donegal if the restrictions in Northern Ireland are relaxed with the county already suffering the spillover effects. And if you look at any of the figures... Donegal is one of the areas that they are it's finding they're finding it very hard to bring the numbers down and they reckon it is the border effect it's people people go over and across the border they do it for work they do it for school and they certainly do it for shopping but if you have all of the shops closed all retail 
not open because of lockdown in Donegal of course people are going to go across the border and shop and particularly people who would have gone across the border before we ever went into lockdown to do their shopping so that is a real real problem so all eyes are on Stormont to see what they are going to do will they extend the measures or will they relax them and if they do relax them by how much 1850 welcoming your thoughts though are you with some of those Fianna Fáil TDs who are pushing Micheál Martin and saying look we're doing really well the figures have come down we have another three weeks to go we'll stay in the level five but when on the 1st of December we reopen the country should it be in level two or should it be in level three level two would be much more relaxed you certainly would have probably a more normal Christmas or a Christmas like you've had in previous years whereas under level three I think Christmas is going to be you're certainly not going to have many people in your home and you may not have everyone around the Christmas table that you have had on previous years so your thoughts are welcomed on that you can text or WhatsApp 0862 103 103 Your thoughts uh, coming in particularly on this the push it seems to be coming from the Fianna Fáil party itself parliamentary party meeting last night it seemed a number of TDs and senators pushing the Taoiseach when he said we're in the doll we'll be moving from level 5 to level 3 if everything goes according to plan that'll be around the 1st of December but Fianna Fáil members themselves are saying no we need to be in level 2 we need the restrictions to be less severe because of the time of the year and because families want to get together for Christmas a listener says I really do hope that they go to level 2 as level 3 does not allow you to move outside of your county I've got family who all live outside of Cork I need them to come home for Christmas I really hope the Taoiseach is understanding yeah I wonder though could they even if they are going to go if he does go with level 3 could he do it with tweaks would say okay we stick with level 3 but people would be allowed outside of uh, of travel outside of the county if they were going home for Christmas maybe something like that could be done and somebody else definitely wants level 2 because this texter says I need to go for a pint because under level 3 pubs will reopen but they'll only be allowed outside you won't be allowed inside a pub and they'll only be allowed to have 15 people and on the Christmas ads when I mentioned the wonderful super value ad that I just saw before I came on air and it made me cry Hi Trish, I've seen the Super Value ad this morning. I also was in tears. Take a look at the Coca-Cola ad. It's a Cork City listener. I haven't seen that. I know that there's a new ad from Coca-Cola, but I haven't seen that. And somebody else says Kevin the Carrot is another good one. That's the Aldi ad. They've been running with Kevin the Carrot for the last uh, number of years. They're creative as well with their ads. 1850-333-103. Cork today on C103. Text or WhatsApp Patricia with your comment. 086 now, the Mayor of Cork County, Councillor Mary Lenehan Foley, is inviting everyone to shine a light in the spirit of a real Cork Christmas, with Christmas lights across many towns and villages being turned on at 7pm this evening. Uh, the Mayor of Cork County, Councillor Mary Lenehan Foley, joins me. Good morning to you, Mary. Morning, Patricia. Uh, you're welcome to the programme. You've decided to switch on the town lights early this year. Is this just to try to give everybody a little bit of a lift at the moment? It is, Patricia, and I suppose, look, we're in unprecedented times, so we're trying to, I suppose, give people, as you say, a lift and give them a feel-good factor as well. Um, And if we can do that in any small way possible, that's what we're trying to do. And I suppose you're well aware, as everybody else is, the mayor... The mayors of the county um, over certain periods of time have their own little initiatives and they have their own ideas that they'd like to do. And, of course, um, me as 
coming when I was coming into being mayor, I had a lot of ideas that I kind of wanted to go forward with. But unfortunately, in the times we're in, um, quite a lot of them are impossible. So I thought, you know, myself with comms above and County Hall floor 14, they're very, very good to me. We kind of went through a few things and we thought, you know what, why not? Why not give people a bit of a lift if it'll cheer anyone up? Just put a light, shine a light as we say, on your windows at 7 o'clock tonight. And any of the districts, the municipal districts that are ready to turn on their lights tonight are switching them on as well. Quite a lot of them, Patricia, now aren't ready. And that's not a big issue. It isn't really about the full lot of street lights as such. It's more about shining a light in your home or your business tonight, you know? Yeah, and you can already, you can already see evidence of businesses have got their shop windows uh, done. And I know even last week, we were getting calls in from people saying it was great to see you know, the bit of festive cheer and the lights and the baubles and the bit of tinsel and it just brightened up everybody's evenings. It did and it will do that as well, Patricia, you know, and like everybody is trying to do the best they can and they're trying to adhere to the guidelines and that's what we're encouraging people to do within your 5K and all the rest of it. But look, if we can just, you know, sometimes I think with lights and with candles and with different things for different organisations and stuff, it does give people that bit of a lift. It also helps people realise we're all in this together and, you know, as much as we can do to try and cheer each other up and pull each other along the ways, you know, if we can do something like that, that's exactly what we're aiming for. And, you know, quite a lot of people have contacted me over the last number of days about this initiative. And they're all so, so excited about it. And it's giving something, some people something to look forward to. And, you know, something nice tonight to do. And a bit, a bit, of, a, a bit of a distraction. And the switching on of the town lights, that won't be done without the usual gathering and the fanfare and Santa Claus coming down through the town. There'll be none of that, will there, this evening? No, there no. won't be anything like that, Patricia, unfortunately. Like, yeah. you know, as many people as we can. I suppose in my own hometown of Yall, um, w- there will be a gathering as such, but it won't be with numbers or anything like that. Okay. It isn't publicly advertised. It's just myself, my grandkids, I suppose. Um, you know, there'll be a few from the chamber, but all within our two-metre distancing, our masks and everything else. Um, but look, we're going to try to do the best we can in the times that we're in. But the, Patricia, if, I, if you don't mind me mentioning, this is only one initiative. There was a, there's actually two more. There's the postcards with the children as well. And there's a business initiative for um, a website set up in Cork County Council for all businesses to make sure they log in and that they let the Cork County Council know it's going to be a dedicated site basically for Christmas to let people know through Cork County Council website that what businesses are open for click or collect and please God what businesses will be open from the 1st of December. So there's and how, how do businesses access that? They go into www.corkoco.ie. Okay, all right, well done. That's a, that's a great initiative. Stay there because West Cork Councillor Danny Collins uh, is on the other line. Uh, good morning, Danny. Danny, morning, uh, are you being a bit of a bad humbug here? You think it's too early to switch on the lights? I'm not. I, I know maybe what's going to be. What councillor calls to me in a jokish way. Are you being kind of Scrooge? But be, be honest, um, 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 Patricia, I'm not, and um, but, but I'm not. Look, I, I and I listened to the mayor's um, um, plea on Monday, and basically, look, why, why I made my plea on Monday about putting it out was I spoke to a mother on the weekend last weekend, and basically she said to me, "Is it true that I see on Facebook or some social media that Cockford Council are um, lighting up the lights in in towns around West Cork?" And she's next Thursday, and I said yes. And she said, Penny, is this a bit too early? She says, you know, she says there's a lot of 
strain and you know you know out there at the moment with kids and a lot of people like you're not earning what they used to they're on um COVID payments and whatnot and basically like she said i think this is a bit too early so like i'd be quite honest i asked a few people and you know some people were for it i will say and some people were against it i texted a few people a few kind of supporters of mine that, and I, I, different organizations i've been with and i've asked them are I'm involved with and I asked them and I'll be quite honest there was a 50-50 um, you know since of, um, yeah but you can't you can't switch on a TV at the moment or even here on the radio station every ad break has got uh, Christmas ads whether we want it or not Christmas is is coming and I think this year more than ever with everything that people are going through a few lights going up just to give a little bit of brightness in what is a really dark period for so many people. It's not forcing anyone to, to shop. It's not forcing anyone to spend any money. Just might bring a smile to somebody's face. And for that, if for no other reason but that, isn't it worth it? Well, if it does bring a smile to someone's face, I do hope it does. But I hope it does not put any strain to people as well. Also, I spoke to a couple of business people as well, and they were saying to me, like, if it was put out maybe to the 26th, 27th, the Thursday or Friday before they open on the, hopefully, the business will be reopening with the clothes shops and whatnot on the, the 2nd of um, December, that that will give them that little bit of a boost. But look, I am, look, fair play to the mayor's um, decision, and look, I'm actually, I respect that totally. And actually, like, she's come up, and Mary has been a great mayor since she's been. Um, elected mayor and basically what the idea she has with the postcards for the fourth class students to the Christmas postcards make up like that's another nice initiative for kids to do like alright um, okay it's just, it's just right. why, like yesterday like I read an article yesterday like we have uh, at the moment we, uh, there was um, there's this um, group called the Emily and Lakin's Baby Bank and they said they only opened up their appeal for ties with kids for children 10 days ago and already they've had 1,600 mothers approach them for ties for Christmas. Oh, listen, I don't think anyone has taken away, Danny, that it's, yeah, going, yeah. To be, it's going to be a tough, tough uh, Christmas this year. Mm. But I don't think switching on the lights is going to make it any tougher or less tougher uh, on people. I, and, I and, and Mary, I mean, a lot of businesses, even the ones that are closed, because we're constantly trying to get people to support local and to remember your local businesses. A lot of them are doing the click and collect. And that's why your initiative is, is fantastic. It's about creating a bit of fest- a festive atmosphere locally, isn't that what it really is all about. It is, it is. It's it's about, um, I suppose, trying to give people some type of a lift, Patricia, because look, I'm a mother, I'm a grandmother myself, and every year I remember, even through my own childhood, Christmas is always the time people look forward to, and children more than more than ever. And we just want to make sure that children know it's still happening, you know, because it's hard for them to understand as well with the way the restrictions are. They couldn't see their grandparents and different things over the last number of months. And, you know, Christmas is such a magical time for everybody. I know some love it and some don't but you know it's always been a magical time I suppose in my family and I felt you know what you know if 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 we can just shine this light if we can just say yes look we're doing what we have to do we know we're in unprecedented times and we're in times that everybody's worrying and there's a bit of doom and gloom so look we'll shine a light light a few lights as you say a little bit of brightness if, a little bit of brightness but yeah. and listen you, you, will you just to remind, tell us about the Christmas cards uh, one and I'm assuming you've contacted all of the schools have you on this yes the postcards all the schools will be contacted um they were being contacted over last week and this week and we put it out in social media it's just fourth class it's just fourth class okay yeah Yeah. and you're asking them to 
we're asking them to design a Christmas card of what their what they think Christmas means to them. Okay, and the winners, you're going to have a number of winners? There will be one winner from each district and there's eight districts. Okay. So there will be one winner from each municipal district and their postcard will be printed then. Brilliant, brilliant. That's yeah. a, fan, that's a so lovely just, initiative. That's the kids' side of it as well. We're trying to, as I say, make it a bit magical for them and try and include kids. And then there'll be a Zoom call with the winners. Um, the mayor, myself in my office, will be doing a Zoom call with the winners of each district. So it'll be something I'd love to be able to call and I'd love to be able to do what normally I had planned to do but unfortunately that won't happen so we You do can do it course. virtually you can do it yes, virtually and exactly. tonight when the lights go up across Cork as you say the towns and villages that have their lights ready to go they're going to be switched on at 7 and then householders and businesses if you have Christmas lights switch them on but even just to light a candle and you're asking yes. people to share a picture with the hashtag a real Cork Christmas that's it. Okay. That's it, All right. All right. We wish you luck with it, uh, Mary. Thank you thank for that. Thank you very much. And Danny, thank you for joining us. I'd, 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 I'd like to wish you a happy anniversary tomorrow. Thank so, you very much. I, I, yes, thank you happy very, anniversary. Thank you for the people of Cork County such quality um, coverage over the last 30 years. Yeah. And I wish you another 30 years of, 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 of great success as well. You're very good. And go go light a candle tonight, Danny, will you? I will. Yeah. No, no, come here. I, I will. Listen, I will be there at the Bantry lighting myself. Well done. I, I, I'm well not done. going to be at Scrooge, but what you call it, I, I just brought up my, my, because I was approached, as I said. And I, I know, I, just I know. You're speaking talk. on behalf of some of your constituents. Yeah. That's yeah. what you're elected to do. Happy Christmas yeah. to you both, in case I don't talk to you. Thanks a million. Bye-bye, bye-bye. The Mayor of Cork County, Mary Lenehan Foley, and uh, West Cork Councillor, who's not being a Scrooge, he says, Danny Collins. Cork Today on C103. Call Patricia with your comment. 1850-333. 103. We're going to stay on the theme of festive lights this morning because residents of one for Moy Street have decided to use white lights to illuminate the long winter nights and they're now urging others to follow their lead. Graeme Clifford is one of the residents of Ardkeen Lower in Formoy and Graeme joins me. Good morning to you, Graeme. Good morning, Patricia. How are you? I'm very well and I have to say I love this idea on behalf of your of your residents. Explain how it all came about and how it started. Well, I suppose I remember one one evening, Patricia, driving down through the town and it was a particularly wet, windy evening and it was dark and I thought it doesn't need to be this dark and it doesn't need to be this miserable. There's a way of brightening up our streets and we don't need anybody else to do it for us. We don't need a council or we don't need a business. We can do it ourselves. So we came up with an idea. I sent around a WhatsApp message, uh, Patricia, uh, to all my neighbours and saying, guys, what about if we got I don't know, jam jars and bottles and stuff like that, and became creative and brought light in, into our own gardens, maybe. And then there's a green in front of our houses, uh, Patricia, and there's trees in the green. So I'm actually looking out the window now, and there's about 70 lanterns hanging from trees. They're, they're all homemade. Oh. And uh, you can, at the moment, you can't really see much because it's daylight, of course. But once it gets dark, uh, the kids go out, they turn on the batteries and the lights, and then we've uh, other lights, white lights just wrapped around the trees as well. So it's beautiful. And it's not Christmas lights, you know. This, yeah. we've, been do- we've been doing this for weeks. We were kind of the same Brendan to the council's Christopher, Christopher Columbus <laughs> on this one. Um, we've been doing it for ages. So, and so and every, household, every household got on board. Oh, my God, yeah. And then it's about much more than just the lights. I mean, the lights themselves, as you've discussed, are so important. But all the houses then are on one WhatsApp and we're talking about what we could do or somebody might say, oh, I, I, I have a good idea. 
And so you're talking and it's it's very, it brings everybody closer together in solidarity. And I think for streets where you've older people living uh, and so on, it's very important. Like we started off on our own little crescent, but now it's spread. You know, houses across the way, the next street up and so on and so forth. And now the schools even in Fermoy, I know the wonderful third year students in Colosht and, and Craveen uh, in the town and kids in Gelskol de Hida and other schools are coming up with ideas to do something similar in in, in the area, in the kind of public realm, you know. And you're deliberately not going for the flashy American style lighting of houses. This, that isn't what it's about. It's no. that, that the real simple white lights. That's right. That's right. Yeah. And it's not about it's not about it being overly flash. It's about it being symbolic, I suppose. Um, you know, if people want to put up Christmas lights, you know, it's a free country. They don't need anybody's permission to do that. But um, no, what we said to people, Patricia, was just, I suppose the one thing that defeats darkness is light. Yeah. And in the time that we're in, um, with COVID, uh, people not seeing others for, for so long and the, the whole lot, that simple light is very symbolic of the hope, I suppose, that we need to see us through to the spring. And so we, we, weren't, going, we weren't going to wait until the summer or until some council said you can turn on light. You know, we said we'd, we'd, we'd take our own initiative. And uh, it's been beautiful. It's beautiful for older people, for kids. And it's, a lot of people walk and run past where we live. And you just see them running away and then they look up and they see the lights and their, their faces light up as well, you know, literally and metaphorically, you know. So it is having an impact, not, not just on the residents, but on, on people passing by as well. And I'm assuming, Graeme, as a little community in, in your little street, it's, it's bringing residents closer together. It is. Like, I might be out, uh, Patricia, uh, putting some lights on a little tree in the front garden. And then two gardens up, I'll see my neighbour, you know, I'll see Emer, or I'll see, you know, Hans Elder next door, or I'll see Sandra on the corner, and they'll be doing something similar. Yeah. And it's like a big wave, and how are you getting on? And, oh, I love your lights. And, yeah. you know, have you, you don't have any AA batteries. So, you know, that kind of way. So I, I think it's, I'm very much focused on, on a lot of initiatives that I work on um, with my work, I suppose, Tricia, about the importance of people rolling up their sleeves and doing it for themselves. If you're always waiting for others to do it, you'll be disappointed. And I think with this, it's so simple. Get a bottle, get a jam jar, put a light in it, put it out the front, and you'll see neighbour will follow neighbour will follow neighbour, and you'll brighten up your street. It'll be and, like it some has, kind of it, and it doesn't have to cost a lot of money. I think from the lights that are on our street, I don't think anybody's, bought anything new. I, I, I think it's, it's basically stuff that we already had and yeah. kind of repurposed, you know. Yeah. It's fantastic. It's fantastic. Well done. And then, uh, and that's why we invited Graham to join us this morning because we want to get the message out in the hope that others, and, and that's, you want to spread the message in the hope that not just in your own town of Formoy, but further afield, if anybody wants to consider taking this, it, it just it needs somebody in every area to take the lead almost. It needs somebody to say, I'll do yeah. this. I'll contact the neighbour and the neighbour and then, you know, and the next neighbour. And, and before you know it, everyone is together doing it. Yeah, exactly. It's a real domino effect. You know, like I, I was listening to the mayor and the councillors before and, you know, they're, they're looking at it from a different perspective, I suppose, and understandably so. They're looking at turning on the lights and business and Christmas and shopping and whatever. I, what we're talking about is something different, I suppose. We're talking about neighbourly solidarity and giving each other hope and support through life and using the light to start conversations as well. You know, you'll mm-hmm. have a lot of people living in our towns and communities who won't know their neighbours necessarily. And so this is a way 
of, of, of working on that as well in a real positive way that benefits everybody. And to show the neighbours we're all here, we're in this together and we're all here yeah. for, for each other, it's terrific. Do, do you hope and think it'll become an annual event? You know something? I think why not? Yeah. I mean, if somebody has a problem with some white lights, then God help us all. And, and I think, you know, November in Ireland is really bleak. I mean, yeah. It's really dark and the weather changes. And something as simple as this could really have a lovely impact going forward. Well we, know, we know, we know, we know the the amazing uh, medical benefits of light. So, so why would we not do it? Really, I suppose, Patricia. Well done, well done. And can people see? Have you it up on Facebook? Have you it up on social media? <laughs> yeah, I put up pictures on on, on Twitter and, and Facebook, and the local newspaper has done a little bit and, and things like that. But yeah, people can drive on up or walk. You know, yeah, they're out a for a walk. They can they can swing on by. Okay, well done, well done, um, well done. It's fantastic. Listen, uh, great to talk to you again, uh, Graham. Thank you for that. Uh, look after yourself and stay safe. And you too, Patricia. Thank you. Take care. Bye bye. That is Graham Clifford joining us from Ardkeen Lower in Formoy. This is Court Today. Court Today with Patricia Messenger on C103. Some of your texts and calls coming into the programme. Somebody wants to know how many COVID cases were in Cork yesterday. It was 24. The numbers have continuously uh, dropping. And I should have a piece, I'll get to it later, just showing how the figures in Cork have dropped over the last two weeks compared to the two weeks before. I mean, Level 5 certainly has worked in Cork. It's worked in various parts of the country, but it's worked particularly well here in Cork. Then a number of people commenting on the Christmas lights been switched on by the council this evening encouraging people to light a candle in their window as well and also this call from Fianna Fáil politicians to Micheál Martin to go to level two rather than level three on the 1st of December when we come out of this uh, lockdown. Liz says, Oh, Micheál Martin, please stand firm. Listen to the medical advice. That is from Liz. Hi, Patricia. I don't think the lights should be put, you know, the lights have been turned on this evening. I don't think the lights should be turned on until the weekend of the late, late toy show. That's the beginning of Christmas for many families. The toy show this year is down for Friday the 27th. So I think the night before, the 26th, uh, is the night that the lights should go up and then have them up for two for six weeks there is enough of a strain on people's lives already so I totally agree with uh, Danny John in Clan says on the government dropping to level two for Christmas it has to happen uh, they have to give us some kind of happiness after what has been a very tough year for all of us I know it will be different and we will all have to think our way through this Christmas but there is light with a vaccine on the horizon happy 30th anniversary Patricia for tomorrow thank you for that that is from John in Clannacilty then some of your calls in and, and another John from somewhere else in the county says we will have no Christmas if we drop to level two on the 1st of December. Now, John has got a good suggestion. He suggests, this is for Micheál Martin, we should go to level three on the 1st of December, which is what Micheál Martin is intimating at at the moment. And then the week before Christmas, drop to level two. That will allow people to travel home for Christmas because John says, I guarantee you, if they open up everything under level two restrictions on the 1st of December, people will go mad partying. Figures will start to rise and we'll be in lockdown as soon as Christmas is uh, over. So level three and then the week before Christmas, drop to level two is a suggestion from... Uh, John, also coming into us, John in Cove. I fully agree with Councillor Danny Collins, who's against the lights being switched on this evening. John said, too early. 
for the lights. Why not invest money into the frontline healthcare workers instead? Also in Cove we don't even have a real Christmas tree just a pole with lights hanging off it a week before Christmas is plenty of time says John in Cove I don't think it's going to cost the council that much more money can I say by having the lights up two weeks earlier so it isn't a case of that they're spending money that could go to the frontline workers. Uh, also Eileen says the government haven't taken anything away from from us we have to remember it's COVID has taken everything away from us Eileen says the turning on the Christmas lights this early in November Eileen disagrees with thinks it's disgraceful and reckless she said the crowds that will turn up for the switching on of the lights will be frightening I'm in my 80s and I'm living in fear Okay, Eileen can I tell you there'll be no crowds turning up on the streets the lights have been switched um, very quietly there isn't the big fanfare that they normally have it was one of the things I was at pains to point out when I spoke with the Mayor there isn't the usual gathering for the switching on of the lights and actually Mallow have been on to us to say that Mallow will be switching on their Christmas lights virtually this year they're inviting people to watch it online at home at 7 o'clock this evening. You can go to the Mallow Chamber Facebook page and you watch it from the comfort of your own homes and that's the way it's been done in all towns and villages whose lights are going on. It's just been done virtually. Uh, Mallow Chamber uh, say they're inviting the Mallow community to participate in the initiative that we spoke about with Cork County Council earlier to join the spirit of a real Cork Christmas by lighting your own Christmas lights. Our li- I just... Have a light, put a candle in the window and do it at seven o'clock tonight. So it's virtually people aren't going out on the street. So don't be worrying that we're going to get big crowds out for the switching on of the lights. Now, today is a really special, special day for everybody involved in Douglas Village Shopping Centre finally opening up after being closed after that devastating uh, fire. They opened earlier this morning. Now, unfortunately, due to level five restrictions, the doors just opened. There wasn't any major fanfare. There wasn't a party or anything that they would like to have had. And of course, also because of level five restrictions, only essential stores that can operate under level five are open. As uh, Douglas Village Shopping Centre Manager, Uh, Bartso Mazala explained to our senior news reporter Fiona Corcoran. Unfortunately being at level 5 doesn't allow us to have you know all the retailers open they would want and that the customers were waiting for however still we have 13 units open we'll have a Tesco will be open Marks Dispenser will be open all of the other essentials like bank the two pharmacies will be open we'll have some of the uh, cafes trading for um, takeaway air will be open we also have uh, carried on a planning click and collect. And when the level changes, again, at, at the start of December, hopefully, we'll have another phase of reopening of the other retailers, less essential, and that will include you know, TK Maxx, some other fashion, like some Bourne and, and uh, Douglas Fashion Lingerie. And, and um, we'll have Bookstation will, will be allowed to open then, like sort of Trespass, CX, those, those type of shops, you know. It's very hard to describe, like, like I'm just so excited, you know, like, like we've waited 15 months, I think it was, and it's just now there was obviously a lot of hard work. Uh, I, I, prob- I want to take this opportunity to thank everybody involved in the project, all of the customers that have been so patient, all of the tenants that have kind of worked with us. And, and, uh, and uh, yeah, finally, we'll open the doors and welcome everybody back, you know, so it couldn't be much better than that. You know? We've put a good bit of kind of thought and kind of work to that as well in, in terms of the Christmas scheme we wanted to do. Obviously, it's a brand new floor. We took an opportunity to make some improvements to the scheme, you know, within the finishes and stuff. And we have a uh, fabulous Christmas decorations, you know, and we're keeping everything in a candy cane gingerbread theme as well. So it's very kind of, you know, traditional and uh, it, it kind of should be appealed to our 
to, to our customer very well as well. You know, like we're getting very close to Christmas, and uh, you know, we're not allowed to have any any you know major events or, or, or you know have Santa interact with the kids or whatever it may be. But you know, we're still in a Christmas spirit. We will be in a Christmas mode. Retailers are preparing for their stock for a kind of you know Christmas Christmas uh, Christmas sale as well. You know, so you know, it's it's you know we still. We still have to get on, you know. I mean, obviously, we get used to the, the the new way of living at the moment. But in the end of the day, you know, we just have to. We, we're gonna have to get on with it and still, you know, celebrate with whatever way we're allowed to do it. You know, so that's what we're doing at the moment. You know? And Fiona also spoke with some of the traders who were able to open their businesses this morning at the Douglas Court Shopping Centre. Michael O'Connor and Farms First Plus Douglas. Michael, how does it feel to be back here in the centre? Ah, uh, sure, it's great. It's great. Um, I just turned the key in it this morning to come in and it was like I never left, you know. So it was, uh, it's amazing how you forget the trials and tribulations uh, of, of, of an event when, you're, when it's all over and you're back in, you know. So uh, uh, where I was was great, but you, it was off the beaten track, so there was no footfall. And, you know, footfall and customers, are, is you kind of, is, it's not only the pharmacy side, but it's the set of social, you're talking, you're, you're chatting and... Uh, so yeah, I missed I missed that. I missed the music in the background. <laughs> I'm uh, Patrick Bresden, and we're Bresden's Butchers in Douglas. Oh, it's a relief and fantastic to be interacting one-on-one with the customers again, able to give them advice on their cooking and the product itself. It's uh, going to be a real great run into Christmas from here. It's the heart of Douglas itself, the main thoroughfare. So it's really, really welcome to be back. It's great that people can have a bit more social interaction in here, obviously with their with a bit of distancing and all the COVID restrictions, but it's re- it's a relief. And uh, when Fiona was at the Douglas Court Shopping Centre, Douglas Village Shopping Centre this morning, she also spoke with some early morning shoppers. Oh, it's great to have it open. Um, it's badly needed as well. And uh, it was an awful thing that happened over a year ago, really. So damaged Douglas a lot. So it's great now. It's great to have it. Um, well, I don't do my grocery shopping here at all, but I did miss it because of the library and the post office. And it, it's a bit of a buzz and everything else. And I think now during the pandemic, it's great to have something nice and fresh and new and decorated for Christmas and everything else. Absolutely brilliant. It was sorely missed. It really was sorely missed. I, I was up at the dawn, dressed, showered, never so organised to come down here. It's absolutely brilliant. There was, there was nothing in Douglas. Do you know? Totally, totally. I don't think there's anything else now that could happen this place. It has been so unlucky. Fantastic. <laughs> yeah, fantastic. See, Douglas is two sides to the, there's two sides to the village, you know. There's nothing on this side, no. There's no shops anymore. This is the... I'm delighted. I just want a bottle of milk. <laughs> I came down for a look. Well, that's fantastic. Shall I mean, it's also a sort of a social thing. I mean, you have the library and coffee shops and it was sadly missed. You know, we're glad to see it back. That's fantastic. Lovely to hear the early morning shoppers and, you know, talking about it's it's the heart of Douglas and how people missed it. Can we wish everybody involved with Douglas Village Shopping Centre, all of the traders who have been such a rough spend. I mean, it is over a year. I had to actually do a quick remind myself when it happened. It's it's actually 15 months ago that that fire happened. I mean, we weren't even talking about COVID-19. We hadn't even heard of uh, coronavirus. It's been a very, really, really tough time for the traders and we wish them all the 
the very, very best of luck. That's the Douglas Village Shopping Centre officially back up and running this morning. C103 Jobs. Windmill Home Care. They're recruiting for full and part-time home support workers. It's to work throughout the North Cork region. While the Bonsecourt Hospital in Cork, they're recruiting for theatre nurses. They're also looking for clinical nurse managers and those jobs will start in January. Experienced rigid tipper driver is wanted. That's for Cork City and the North Cork areas. And full-time window fitter wanted for immediate start in the West Cork area. You'll find all the details and more job opportunities by going online now. Just go to c103.ie forward slash jobs for more. This is C103. Record today on C103. Text or WhatsApp Patricia with your comment. 086 103 103. Independent uh, Cork County Councillor Marcia Dalton has asked the council to consider a 30 kilometre per hour speed limit in all of its towns and villages to make them safer for both pedestrians and for cyclists. And Councillor Marcia Dalton uh, joins me this morning. Good morning to you, Marcia. Good morning, Patricia. And you, you, you are welcome. This seems to me like a bit of a no-brainer. Did you let, get a lot of backing from other councillors when you made this suggestion? Yes. <laughs> yes, is the short answer. Not ubiquitously, not every councillor agreed. Um, some felt that they'd like to see it happen, but that without enforcement, it was a waste of time and money. Um, but in general, all the councillors who spoke agreed. And because all of our lives have changed so dramatically this year, there is evidence, isn't there, that there's more people out walking and there's certainly more people out on bicycles than ever before. There's massive evidence of that. Um, it, it, it's, it's not just people taking exercise in their local areas, although that has obviously increased exponentially. Um, it's also people shopping locally, making more use of their local centres, um, socialising on the streets, in their town centres and village centres, not allowed to go inside into coffee shops, so sitting outside. There's a whole lot of outdoor activity that has become very a very large part of our lives that wasn't there before. And then, of course, there's the reduced accommodation on public transport. So people have to take alternative forms of, of transport, and some are indeed cycling and walking. And if you reduce the speed limit, you definitely reduce accidents. Oh yeah, absolutely. International research shows that statistically um, you massively reduce accidents. So, for example, if you have a speed limit of 50 kilometres an hour, 40, sorry, 30 kilometres an hour, 45% of those, no, sorry, let me, I'm, I'm actually reading statistics here. In yeah. Belgium, they've done this research. Okay. 45% of pedestrians hit by a car travelling at 50 kilometres an hour die. 5% of those hit by a car moving at 30 kilometres an hour die. Um, well, that's so, a staggering difference. Is reduced too. That's a staggering difference. A massive, yeah, yeah. It, it's that drivers have time to brake. That's the huge difference. And like 50 to 30, it isn't a huge difference, but yet it, the, the difference in the fatalities is, is absolutely uh, massive. But when you mentioned that some of the councillors, you know, just worried about the whole enforcement thing, and, and that is a point. I mean, having yeah. lower speed limits, if it's not enforced, is, it's a fair point. It is 100% a fair point. And we're not alone in this. Like, this isn't reinventing the wheel. So other places where this has been introduced have found that when you introduce lower speed limits in built-up areas at a 
general level, a global level, if you know what I mean, as opposed mm. to introducing it um, in, in an individual estate. And you enforce at the beginning, it somehow gets into the psyche that I'm in a built-up area, I'm a slow. Whereas, for example, you know as well as I do, if you drive into a town and you're slowing down to 50 and you turn off into an estate where there's an especial speed limit that introduced to 30, somehow suddenly it seems really slow and not everybody will stick to it. But having that general lower speed limit, mm. enforcing it at the beginning by cooperating with the Gardaí and making a thing about this makes it go into people's psyche ever so much more effectively. You'll always get those who don't. Yeah. You know that as well as I do. But that's a but good point. General, if, you, if you're already travelling at 30 kilometres going into the housing estates, you'll stay at the 30 kilometres. Absolutely. Yeah. It's no longer a slowdown. So where would you introduce the 30 kilometre well, limit from? For me, but the, the UN held a conference on road safety, a special global conference on road safety in February of this year. Um, there were oh, thousands of experts at it, I think 1,700 from 140 countries. The conclusion of their deliberations was, was that introducing 30 kilometres an hour in all places where cars cyclists and pedestrians cross each other is an imperative and something to be desired in all centres. So after that, it's really up to the local authority as to whether they'd like to introduce it at the town or village boundary or within the centre where the activity happens. You know, that's a decision for full council um, and a decision that we'd be guided by the engineers. At a personal level, I'd like to introduce it from where one enters the built-up area. But that would be the town and village boundary. But that's not for me to say, you know. Yeah, I was going to ask this question, but I see somebody has texted in as well. Is it the local authority that sets the speed limits in a particular area? Yes, it is. It is in the RSA. It's Yes, it is. Certain. Now, the, it, it's a very reasonable question. Um, and we had an official response from the executive to my motion on Monday, which said that the default speed limit, as advised by government, the RSA, in um, built-up areas at present is 50 kilometres an hour. 30 is regarded as a special speed limit and so we can't introduce it. That is not the case. We have permission within government guidelines to introduce special speed limits where we think it's necessary under whatever circumstances make that necessary happen. You know what I mean? Mm. And Dublin City Council is doing that as a result of COVID because they see it. Kerry County Council has introduced it in Tralee and Killarney town centres um, and they've had it in for over a year. And Galway City Council has proposed it for Galway City Centre. So it's something we can do as a local authority. We just need to have the will. And I think it's a perfect match for Project Act that the County Council has been rolling out in their towns. It's supporting businesses, it's supporting town centres, it's bringing people back to streets in a comfortable, safer way. And that's what it's all about. You hear people say, oh, I'd love to be out cycling more, I'd love to be out walking more, but I'm nervous because of the speed. I mean, we're, we constantly will have people from different parts of the county, you know, who will highlight a road or an estate where they live and people just completely ignore the speed limit, even if it is already set a set at 30. So I, I think you are, I think you've really you're really onto one here. It's to get into the mindset that as soon as we enter any of our towns and villages, you're travelling at 30 kilometres and you just stay at that driving everywhere. Absolutely. And when you think about it, Patricia, town centres aren't for cars and vehicles. Town centres are for people. That's what keeps businesses alive. Certainly people drive to their town centre, but ultimately town centres are for for, for businesses and people. And yet we organise movement through and around our town centres 
around vehicles, not people. So somehow we have to shift that balance. And we have a huge issue in our country, really, I suppose, not just county, where you might have a regional road running through a town centre. And the town has built up around that regional road. And and the cars continue to have dominance. But that town centre will die without people. Mm. So we have to somehow keep the traffic moving whilst accommodating people and giving them that slight edge in that balance. So what happens now? I'm assuming some kind of a review of speed limits, is it? The review of speed limits is a five-year thing. It's a cycle, and that's set in statute, and that starts again in the middle of next year. All right, so this is the right time to be talking about it. It is, but I'll be honest with you, I'd like to see this being considered now as an emergency measure as a result of COVID and part of a Project Act initiative. Um, I was hoping that they would consider that. You know what? Maybe they will behind the scenes, but officially the response came that it will be considered again when the official review of the speed limits um, commences next year. Okay, all right. Uh, Well done. We'll keep a close eye on this because I think a lot of people will be 100% behind you on this and thinking, because as I said at the outset, it seems to me to be a no-brainer. You know, you're travelling through a built-up area, you're travelling through a, a town or a village. We all need to slow down. You know, we're not in that much of a rush that you need to be travelling at 50 kilometres through a town. And you know, the irony is, A, when it's built up, we're travelling at 30 and under anyway. Yeah, true. true. International research has shown that at 30, traffic actually moves more efficiently. It's this slow, consistent movement as opposed to stop-start. And it'll save Um, people's lives. That's that's what what it's all about. Patricia, if people feel as strongly about this as I do, and about how it could improve the safety and more pleasant environment of, of our towns and villages. Please, when the consultation on the speed limit review starts, make a submission to Cork County Council. It's a public consultation process. Everyone can put it in one liner of an email or whatever. And um, we would like to see 30 kilometres now introduced in our built-up areas. Please. Okay. OK, well done, well done. And actually, we had the Mayor... Mary Lennon Foley on in the last hour about the lighting up of the communities this evening. Are you in favour of that? Oh yes, it's a beautiful yeah. initiative, absolutely. Um, I, actually, it's great that Cork County Council is coming on board with, with Christmas lighting this year in, in many communities. The community has carried the load and we're very grateful for a bit of annual funding to keep it going, but sometimes we just don't have that bit of funding that makes the extra special bits happen. Yeah. And by the councils coming on board this year, again as part of Project Act, it's going to make a massive difference. It is. It is. And just brighten up everybody. It brighten yeah, up everybody's lives at the moment with, da- with the dull, dark evenings and the rain that we've been having as well. We need <laughs> a bit of brightness. We really do. Listen, Marcia, thank you for that. And uh, thanks for joining us on the programme. Thanks a million, Patricia. Good morning Take to care. you. Bye bye. Bye bye. That is independent uh, Councillor Marcia Dalton, eighteen fifty three 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 one zero three. John Hall and Sadie are taking your calls. You can text or WhatsApp oh eight six two one zero three one zero three. You're listening to Cork today on replay. Phone and text lines are currently closed. Cork today on C one zero three. Call Patricia with your comment. Eighteen fifty three 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 one zero three. And we're going to for more guard the station for this week's guard the fibre sergeant John Kelly joins me. Good morning, to you, John. Good morning, Patricia. And you Thank are you. welcome to the program. Now you want to start with a burglary that happened on yesterday week, the fourth. Yesterday week, yeah, correct, Patricia. The fourth. Now overall, thankfully, crime you know is low at the moment. Uh, obviously the. The lockdown is having an effect on crime as well, as we found in March, April, when there was also a lockdown. Now, in this particular case, we'd be asking for anybody in the colleague, Churchtown, 
area there uh, outside Mallow. Um, if they can recall the day of Wednesday of fourth last, um, if they can cast their mind back uh, to a period maybe uh, prior to 11 o'clock and uh, after 12.20, so between 11 and 12.20 that day, uh, a house was burgled um, where the occupants of the house had gone shopping. They were gone just for an hour and 20 minutes. And when they returned home, they observed two males running out of their house. Oh, God, what a frightening experience. Absolutely, yeah, absolutely. Now, there, uh, one small male and one tall male. Now, I would emphasise there was a very distinctive height difference. Okay. The tall male was wearing grey pants and grey and blue hoodie with a head down, um, with the hood down, as the small male was wearing a light grey top, a hoodie and bottoms. Now, the faces weren't to be seen. Um, they gained entry, they, they, they forced in the back door, but basically uh, some property was stolen. But we'd ask anybody um, if, if they have any information on that. Uh, the Gardaí there at, um, at Mallow, that's 022 21105 would be very interesting in hearing from anybody who may have information. Now, um, it's it's just something that we'd uh, like to, you know, like to obviously investigate fully and try and get a result. Okay, we don't know. Did they have transport? Did they have a car? We have no no idea. No idea. They just. As soon as the owners came back, they legged it out the door and were gone. They legged it, yeah. Uh, So we have no idea, caravan, uh, or whether they were on foot. Okay. Uh, So we would ask anybody if they could cast their mind back. That's last Wednesday week. Did you see anything in the area of Cullig, uh, Churchtown, between between 11am and 12.20? Particularly Uh, the two guys maybe hanging around, as you say, one tall, one smaller. So that would stand out. Very distinctive height difference, I would say, you know. Okay. Um, so, uh, as I said, overall crime has been uh, kind of uh, small, but at a, time, at a time like this, you know, we sometimes put in uh, a day of action as well. Obviously, I, I suppose when, uh, for my district, for instance, we done a day of action last Saturday. What does that mean, a day of action? Basically, that we utilise all units working. Okay. Uh, and uh, in, in this particular case, we use members of the detective branch, the drugs unit, the regular units, road policing, and we also brought out the, the dog unit from Cork City as well. You know, so okay. we had a good team of people, right? And um, for instance, during that day, you know, we arrested a pre-planned arrest of a person that we wanted for burglary and theft. You know, who was uh, uh, detained and interviewed and charged afterwards. Uh, there was um, another search done on a house um, in connection with an investigation to money laundering and fraud offences. So there was a uh, lady was arrested there and detained at um, from Oigarda Station and was released pending a fight to DPP and an investigation is uh, still being undertaken in that. There was also uh, in total a number of uh, five, horse, five houses searched in connection to misuse of drugs warrants. So we had a couple of offences of cultivation, you know, uh, so we had cannabis plants that were found in the house and also other stuff that was being dried. Uh, so there was a sale and supply offence detected as well and three separate section three detections, you know. So we had overall, we had um, quite a good day. So uh, w- worth having these days? Absolutely. There was yeah. a number of intercity bus searches uh, conducted as well, you know, and from from the checkpoints, you know, we had a number of misuse of drugs detections. There was a drug driving detection and there was a vehicle seized as well in connection with, uh, with other offences, you know. Okay. So, obviously, we don't publicise those days uh, beforehand. Yeah. We publicise the results afterwards. Yeah, that's good. You know, and uh, not necessarily is it a Saturday. It could be a Monday, Tuesday, any day of the week, you know. But, uh, you know, we have 
full teams in place and uh, we have quite a lot to do um, those days. Okay, and the fact that you say, you know, crime is down and burglaries, thank God, are are down as they were during the first lockdown, mm. that it's the travelling criminals, they're afraid of getting stopped, isn't it? Isn't Absolutely. It? Yeah, yeah, it yeah, keeps them a, at home. That's a huge part of it, you okay, know. It's, it's um, one of the pluses of, yeah. of lockdown. No, we can't forget online, right? Yeah. Uh, we've spoken of it before. Uh, our colleagues there in, in the fraud section, Dublin put out a warning during the week and I, I just want to double on that. But I want to emphasise, say, local things that have happened as regards as regards fraud. You know, and so you have both kind of, um, I suppose the number one item that people were buying this year, and we saw them all around the country, you know, when we did get to travel, you know, but if you were living in any of the coastal towns, suddenly you were seeing the amount of motorhomes that were, uh, uh, you know, arriving were was huge. Everyone wanted a motorhome. The prices of them went up, you know, and uh, I suppose people... And they also went into short supply. It was hard to get a second-hand very, motorhome. Very, hard to get. You know, so in one case now we had uh, locally in August uh, a, c- a couple of people they went on to Dundee, saw photographs. Uh, they, uh, I, I suppose, they met a person <coughs> in the Mitchelstown area uh, by appointment um, to to view a motorhome. Right. right now, the motorhome was almost about twenty years old. They paid quite a substantial amount of money. Now, um, they did get, you know, they did get some of the money. Uh, back but there was a you know there was they, to be honest I don't think they'd done full due diligence as regards checking it out with a mechanic beforehand to check whether the roof was right to check whether the internals of it were right so you had that type of, of, of one where people you know there was an actual um, motorhome to be inspected but they and, and somebody still went ahead and bought yes correct Which and they discovered, they discovered problems within a couple of days yeah, you know yeah but uh, so this was a case where they didn't do 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 diligence by bringing somebody with them, a mechanic or whatever. But you had other cases then when people they went on websites, they didn't do due diligence on the website. You know, okay. they didn't go on the recommendations of friends or family as regards you 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 know which was a good source to use. You know, um, so we, there was a couple of instances in Cork City where people went on websites, and in in one case now the website was. Uh, they were based supposedly in the UK, okay. and it looked like they had gone on and they had photographed or, or, or set up a website uh, based on uh, a genuine website that was there. They had imported the photographs and all. They had communication was done via the company website. Now, as I said, it looked legitimate, but both injured parties agreed to deal with the company, and they sent almost fifteen thousand each via bank transfer. Goodness me! Which was a colossal amount of money. And of know? course, this company doesn't exist. They've cloned a genuine camper van company so the company doesn't exist and there's no motorhomes They're, they have none for sale absolutely you know yeah yeah and the money just disappears the money d- d- disappears in this case completely you know like d- there was as I said there was money reclaimed in, you know where you're dealing with a physical item you know yeah. but I mean when you're dealing with something and uh, you know it's just it's just gone you know uh, so again the criminals are very easy to spot an opportunity as regards if somebody wants the genuine article well the black market is going to replicate the genuine market and they see opportunity arising out there you know so look I'd appeal to people look if they're on websites and this is the emphasise the warning, say, given by the, our colleagues there in, in fraud, you know, but, you know, the golden rules really are, you know, buy from trusted sources, 
you mm. know, understand risk and obviously think twice. You know, just don't make it a purchase at 11 o'clock at, uh, you know, at night when you're tired, you know, and you just see this thing popping up. You know, have you looked at the website? Have you talked to anyone who's purchased off that website? Check the seller's reviews and ratings, you know, ensure the data transfer is secure. See if all documents related to online purchases. Do a screenshot. You know, I, I suppose in the case I gave about the physical thing, you know, at least the persons concerned had done screenshots, you know, mm-hmm. and, and that was valuable afterwards in the investigation of it, you know. If you don't make a purchase, don't leave identity or, or car details behind. Check the website payment security. Never send car details by email, text or other messaging methods. Don't send somebody, money to somebody you don't know. You know, you need to check first. Yeah, that's particularly, you know, the Western Union, you see here, you've, we've dealt with it before on this programme, mm. people sending money by Western Union thinking that the company was genuine. And of course, once it goes to Western Union, that's it, it's gone. You're, you're, you've no comeback on your it. Your antenna should be going up straight away when they want payment via Western Union, you know. Credit cards are always the way to go. You've got some hope of getting use, money back. Use credit cards when yeah. purchasing online, you know. Now, I would say that, uh, obviously, you know, and we'd appeal to people, look, you know, try and keep try and keep their you know as much of their shopping local as possible you know yeah, that's the way to go uh, because that's that's the way to go and look you know for a lot of local shops and you know there's plenty of Irish uh, uh, places now have gone on click and collect you know but you you have the experienced online shopper and I describe now as well you've the pandemic newbie shopper right okay, yeah who really doesn't have uh, hasn't done this before is new to it yeah. right and to be honest uh, some of them are there to be harvested by the scammer you know and the scammers know that don't they they know that yeah, yeah they know that and and that's why you're seeing the websites being replicated and all you know so make sure that you talk to somebody who's familiar with online shopping you know where did they do it? And if you can, as I said already, look, there's plenty of Irish companies out there, you know, that have set up their, their click and collect and everything else. You know, like you've been, you've had several instances, and they were given by my colleagues as well, where people, you know, and they're not people, you know, that should have been inexperienced. You know, for example, now a 19-year-old uh, female from Dublin made a purchase over social media using her bank account. Never received a product, lost 390 uh, euros, seller couldn't be contacted. Gone. Yeah. 25-year-old male buyer from me purchased a car online abroad for her parents, paid a deposit of 650. Parents went to the agreed location to view the car, and hey, presto, it's not there. You know, a um, uh, number of instances like that, 50-year-old female from Limerick advertised clothing for sale online, buyer emailed, in this case, and a different variation of scam, the buyer emailed a PayPal transaction receipt or repayment. And the items were posted to the buyer in Northern Ireland at a parcel motel. So, uh, right. Uh, so yeah. the the PayPal the PayPal email was false. Seller, uh, seller lost three hundred and eighty. You had uh, another lady. Dreadful. You had another lady, a fifty-seven-year-old female, Dublin. You know, bought a puppy online, transferred payment of three hundred uh, euros in advance to a bank in mainland Europe. Puppy never arrived. So you can see there's a spread of age. Mm. You know, mm. a- everything. You know, so and, and you know, in fairness, uh, people get get caught out, but you've got other people who get caught. They get duped, they get scammed, yes. and they don't report it. And they really need to re- to report it. I mean, I know people get embarrassed the thought that they would get scammed, but these people are so clever at what they do. But you would encourage people to report. I would if encourage they, if, people yeah. to report it, but for the simple reason is that you you know until the report is you know ourselves or any other agency, we don't know the full scale of things yeah, out there. Yeah. 
you know, uh, and and it's it's only by by the reports coming in are we able to determine that. And be know? careful of unsolicited calls or texts or emails. Correct. I'm already this morning. We've had two different calls in from people, uh, and they straight away they've obviously been listening to us. Uh, they straight away realised that they were scams and didn't entertain them at all. You just have to be so uh, careful. And and I suppose it, it's 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 hopefully by giving information like this and by re-emphasising it every now and then that we can prevent people from being caught. Yeah. Because I mean the scammers aren't going to going to go away in fact in fact as online shopping increases you know the scams will probably increase and therefore we need to increase our vigilance as well you know as we move forward you know and and just to be able to to be up up our own game you know and spread the word to people you know as as regards um as regards those scams and you you know what they hear and you know the phone calls as regards looking for credit card details and all look don't entertain them you know don't don't entertain anything like that. Just drop the phone. And again, obviously be aware of the emails and everything else like that. Yeah, and while you're waiting for local shops to open, please got it the start of December. In the meantime, check in with those local shops and see are they doing a click and collect type service? Absolutely. Vitally important, you know, because we don't, uh, I mean, online shopping is fine, but we don't want uh, an Ireland where we're looking at empty shops in every in, in every town and street, you know. We Absolutely need to keep it. Not. We need to keep a, a good society out there, you know. We need to keep our money in the local economy, Correct. for sure. Listen, Absolutely. thank you for that, uh, John, and uh, stay safe, and we'll speak again. Thanks very much, Thanks a million. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. That is uh, Sergeant John Kelly joining us from Formoygar at the station. 1850 333 This is Court Today. Court Today with Patricia Messenger on C103. Court's greatest hits. C103. Thank you to Pam and Teresa and Coachford sending in messages about the 30th anniversary of the show tomorrow. Thank you for that. And there was somebody earlier just signed it. I'm a McCroom listener. Thank you for that. Uh, thank you for your kind thoughts. OK, some of your texts coming in. And by the way, if you've got a text for our resident vet, Jane Pickett, get that in, please. If there's something wrong with one of the animals in your house, let us know. And hopefully Jane might be able to offer you some advice. 1850 Text or WhatsApp 0862 103 103. I'm the switching on of the lights. The listener says, yeah, I think it's a bit early for the lights. A recent survey showed that 50% of people want a much more natural time for this Christmas. Kind of pair back the Christmases, the very sort of bright, brash Christmases that people may have had in previous years. People want to go back to maybe Christmases of their childhood when they were a lot more natural. We didn't need or want a lot of items that we didn't get a lot or could have a lot of items. Listeners talking about making items for Christmas recycling items at the end of the day we need everybody to treat everybody else with goodwill and isn't that what Christmas should be all about. Mary says Patricia what is wrong with people wanting to go straight back to level two I think we should be staying at level go from level five to level three on the first of December and then stay on that and maybe a week or two before Christmas uh, then go to level two and leave it at level two until after the new year that way family members would be able to travel we could have families visit maybe a different times rather than have them all in our house at the same time but Mary said I'm okay none of my family are out of the country and I'm starting to really feel for people who have loved ones are abroad because there's still so much uncertainty will there be flights
flights arriving in this country? Will there be enough flights arriving in this country? Because many of the airlines have cut schedules back earlier this, this year. So there's, there may not even be, for those that do want to travel, they may find that when they go to try to book a seat on a plane that there isn't a plane available. Now, I know the government have just adopted the new EU traffic light uh, system for travel. And there's all these different... Uh, Zones. There's a green zone, an orange zone, a red zone. There's even a grey zone and it depends on where the person is coming from as to whether they'll have to quarantine or not. If you fly in from an orange or a red zone, you do not have to quarantine for 14 days. That's as long as you've had a COVID test within five days of arriving in Ireland and obviously if you get a negative uh, result. But there's a new grey zone has been thrown into the mix as well. And testing now will be, will not be administered by the way by the HSC. It's been done privately. It's going to be done at the airport. I know Dublin Cork and Shannon airports have all announced they're opening testing facilities drive through for example testing centres here at Cork and in Shannon they'll be run by an Irish health core company called Rock Dock and they are starting tests actually I think it's from today they're starting at uh, Cork airport they have different tests but I think their tests start at about €159 so there will be a cost factor to this but I think people will willingly pay for that if they think that they don't have to self-isolate and for peace of mind to know that they're not bringing COVID-19 with them. But are we going to have a Christmas this year where loved ones who normally travel to home won't be able to travel home? Absolutely. And I'm starting to really, really feel for those people. And I'm wondering how the reaction from people's reaction to an announcement that was made yesterday by a leading immunologist. This is a gentleman by the name of Thomas Ryan. He's the Associate associate Professor in the School of Biochemistry and Immunology at Trinity College in Dublin. And he suggested yesterday that we here in Ireland should delay Christmas celebrations, kind of cancel Christmas on the 25th of December and instead have it at the end of January. And he said if we did that, he thinks that that would be a way to crush the virus. He is fearful that if the country, if we find ourselves back, or he reckons that we could find ourselves back at a thousand cases a day by the beginning of January, if we come out of level five restrictions on the 1st of December, now he doesn't say whether we go to level three or to level two, but he says leaving level five, no matter if it's four, three or two, he reckons we would be looking at a thousand cases a day in January. He said, even if we could get it down to, say, a hundred cases a day by the 1st of December. Now, we're not there yet. We're in kind of the 200 numbers, aren't we? We're kind of, that's where we are at the moment. But he says, OK, if we keep going the way we're going and we get it down to a hundred cases a day, he says that that would not be low enough. And he says that what would happen is You'd have people going out and about and then the numbers would go up and we'd find ourselves back in January at a thousand a day. He said what we need to be doing is to get the cases down to single figures or down to zero and then keep it at zero for as long as possible. He says, I think we can return to normality if we did that, if we cancelled Christmas, stayed in level 
five for the entire month of December. He said we'd return to a normal life, a little bit like what is happening in most parts of Australia. And he reckons we'd be there by early January and then we could live under level one or he said we could even have level zero restrictions where you'd be able to do what you like from January but he says the only way we're going to be able to do that he feels will be to delay rather than cancel he's saying delay Christmas until the end of January and he said then you can have a real Christmas and then you can have a real party. Your thoughts on that? How would people feel about that? Cancelling Christmas, we would just operate as normal at the end of December and you'd hold off on all of your Christmas celebrations and perhaps we'd put it forward by exactly a month and you'd have it on the 25th of January rather than the 25th of December. Now, I know Nancy dead against that and said at the end of the day, Christmas is all about Christ. It's about the birth of Christ. Nancy said it is a day that simply can't be moved She said, it's like your own birthday. The date is there. It doesn't change. You can't change it, whether you like or don't like the date. And Nancy said, at the end of the day, if lives are going to be saved, why are we making such a big fuss about this? Just accept it. Whatever Neffet, whatever the health experts tell us to do, she says we need to accept it. And that is it. 1850-333-103. Just on completely different issues, Kathleen and Mitchestown was on to say that the, the cutting of hedges is underway at the moment. You probably know noticed that and she says well that is great there is a bit of a downside uh, to it. She was driving on a road where the hedges had recently been cut and because all of the debris from the hedges wasn't cleared away a thorn punctured Kathleen's tyre didn't think that was possible but it is she said the thorn went into the wall of the ta- the tyre and she now has to get a new one she said her car is only 10 months old so the tyre was perfect she is wondering and anyone who cuts hedges will tell us is this possible is it not possible to attach some kind of a brush onto the back of the tractor that when they cut the hedges they're sweeping it up at the same time and they pick up all of the debris that they leave behind I don't know if that's possible if there's any hedge cutter out there is it possible to get all of the debris up from the road or is it just one of those things that Kathleen was very unlucky that she went over a section on the thorn but I didn't think a thorn would would do that but it did. Um, Anthony was on to say he was in a shopping centre recently and they have arrows. They're trying to introduce in the shopping centre a one-way system so they had arrows going around the mall showing people you walk this way so you go in one way and out the other way. He said the amount of people who were just completely ignoring the one-way system Uh, He said people need to act more responsibly and that, and if we have everybody acting more responsibly, that then will reduce the numbers even further. And then a couple of scam calls. Maria in Middleton was on to say 7.40am this morning, an ungodly hour for our Marie. She got a phone call. It was from a lady claiming to be from Visa. Now Marie Marie said straight away, she said, I knew straight away it was a a scam call. Marie roared down the phone at this woman saying, what are you doing ringing me at this hour of the morning? She said, she got a fright when the phone rang because she's got elderly neighbours and she obviously the elderly neighbours contact her if anything God forbid goes wrong with them and she said her instant reaction when the phone rang at 7.40 this morning was that something had happened that one of them had fallen so she was roaring at this woman saying you've given me the fright of my life and seemingly the woman at the end of the line said I will now ring you every morning at this time isn't that a bizarre thing to say she said she couldn't believe it but see if it's scam callers uh, Marie that scammer could have been ringing from anywhere in the world it mightn't have been early in the morning wherever they were calling you from and then somebody else sent me in a WhatsApp with a photograph of a telephone number 
that says it's coming from the Waterford Carrick and Shore area and it is an 051 number which is the Waterford area to say just received a call from this number this morning saying it was a company called Irish Tax and that I'd overpaid my tax oh happy days looking for my bank details <laughs> yeah please warn your listeners I, I will indeed and again even though that comes up on your mobile looking to be a number in Waterford, it's not. You know, they're able to now clone telephone numbers to make it look like that this number is coming from a part of the country when in fact it's not. But anyway, well done. Bring in your A game. People are starting to realise straight away when they get unsolicited calls like that, they start to realise straight away, they start to get suspicious and that's what we need to do every time we pick up the phone. The C103 Cork Diary. With Cork County Council. Supporting businesses, supporting communities, serving Cork. Visit corkcoco.ie. Kildallery Community Development, they're holding their weekly lotto draw this afternoon, four o'clock, local community office with a jackpot this week of €1,100. And Cove GAA are continuing their online Zoom bingos on Sunday nights at 8. You can check out their Facebook page for details or you can go to the Cork Diary section on the C103 website. Cork today on C103. Text or WhatsApp Patricia with your comment. 086 103 103. Okay, and some reaction on that uh, professor from Trinity College suggesting that we cancel Christmas this year. Well, postpone it is what he's saying. Postpone it until the end of uh, January. Hi, Patricia. I do not agree with that professor suggesting to postpone Christmas until the end of January. Is he forgetting Christmas? Is about celebrating the birth of Jesus on the 25th of December. Jesus' birthday is not the end of January. It's the 25th. 5th of December. As usual, the religious celebration is often uh, forgotten about. And Esther says, Trisha, I hope I never encounter that man who is suggesting we cancel Christmas. It is set in stone. Science is the priority now, not the real meaning of Christmas. God help us all. And somebody else says, why doesn't that professor go live in a bunker until January with his buddy, the Grim Reaper? Let the rest of us get on with our lives. That is from uh, Owen. 1850 Now the HSE has suspended distribution of the flu vaccine to GPs and pharmacies after it emerged that reimbursement claims for 600,000 doses are missing. To discuss what's going on and what withholding vaccines will mean, I'm joined by Dr Mike Thompson of the Immokilly Medical Centre who was forced to close the drive through vaccine clinic and that was due to a lack of vaccines. Good afternoon to you, Mike. Shall we talk again? How are you? Oh, absolutely. Now, the, the HSE send out the vaccines. Can you explain what GPs have to do after you give the vaccine to a patient? Absolutely. So we have a, an electronic data set that we have to return to the primary care reimbursement service. And it's quite cumbersome and slow and it's something we've asked to be streamlined. It hasn't come yet. So I think GPs at the moment are too busy giving vaccines than claiming payment for it, to be honest. So it's a bit duplicitous and deflecting to say that these vaccines have gone missing. I think there's a little bit of shade being thrown there. Uh, People are walking around with the vaccines in their arm, getting protected from flu. We just haven't sent the returns yet. I understand that the HSE do want to know who they've been given to. I think the problem with us is we, and and this practice alone, we've had to ration and allocate very very tightly and significantly to who is eligible for a vaccine this year. The HSC are responsible for ordering the number of vaccines um, to GPs and and pharmacies and giving them out. And the difficulty is, I think they absolutely underestimated the demand this year that there would be for the vaccines. 
So I've come on and defended the HSC up till now, but I think they can they can do their own PR from now on. We have one final vaccine delivery left, and each GP is approximately going to get twenty more flu vaccines. Yeah, there's only f- there's only fi- the ones that they've withheld. It's only fifty thousand. Yeah, it's fifty thousand. So let's face it; it's three percent of the total, and that's it. We're done. So all those people, there there may be some GPs still, obviously, but I can assure you, any vaccine that's maybe in a fridge has a name attached to it at this stage. So that vaccine may not be given. It certainly may not be claimed for reimbursement yet. But to claim that there are six hundred thousand vaccines, I think the HSC are trying to deflect criticism from themselves and need to re-examine that themselves. And when so, when you know when they talk of the sixty thousand doses and and where are they gone? Are the six hundred thousand? Six hundred. They, yeah. they would know which doctor got. Would they? Because it's all done electronically as well. Yeah, it's all through the national code chain. We're very good to us, and and we know exactly how many we're going to get um, about a week ahead of it. So they know, and when you send back data, they can look at who you've given it to. They can look at what age population you've given it to. Um, So I think we can stand over who we're giving it to. The fact that I suppose we're too busy to claim for it shows. I think shows general practice in a good light. We're trying to get it done and vaccinated, and we worry about repayment later. Could it be that some doctors have given the vaccine to private patients who then paid them first so they wouldn't be reclaiming it from the HSC? Uh, Possibly. You'd have to ask those doctors. You are not allowed to claim payment for a vaccine this year if you've used a HSC vaccine. Um, You should really only be giving to people who are eligible. I think there is an argument that before we've asked many people to develop a habit of getting a vaccine and this year we've gone from uh, uh, we've gone to a better system where it's eligible people only can avail of it. So initially we've gone from everyone should get it to only eligible people and then we've even tightened that further where it's through healthcare workers and people over 65. So I know of a case where if anyone gets pregnant between here and April I don't have a flu vaccine for them. Wow. I have 137 patients here with long-term high-risk conditions that I don't have a flu vaccine for them. Um, you know, so, so there will be, so so what from what you're saying, there will now be people in the risk group, which was identified by the HSE, who will not get a flu vaccine this year. Guaranteed, will be in the hundreds of thousands this year. But where are all, where I I don't understand if if there was one point four million, five million, yeah, and yeah. six hundred thousand. Is that just kid, not enough? No, it's not enough. Ah. You know, it, I think, you know, you're looking at 40% of the population would be eligible. So that's 2 million straight away. You take out the children, that is 1.4 million. So I think maybe it will come back that when those data sets come back, will come back. They have been shown to be given. But I definitely think they have a very, very underestimated demand. Um, Not all blame to them. In fairness, it is an exceptional year. It's strange times, etc. But what we would be hoping for is that we could have gotten more vaccines to meet demand. I think the HSC are not able to procure more vaccines at this stage. So I we was, are where we are, Patricia. Yeah, and I was reading in the, in the papers, you know, doctors from all over the country. I mean, this isn't just a Cork issue. This is happening everywhere. I mean, I know there was a doctor in Galway was saying that they had, he had over a thousand patients in the at-risk group waiting to be vaccinated. There was a, a GP in Castletown Bear who was quoted as having 400 patients in the at-risk group and they haven't a hope of getting. No, we're going to get 20 more vaccines each. Uh, they are trying to make sure that all the nursing homes and the healthcare staff in nursing homes are done. So I think most GPs have probably done their nursing homes first up. But um, most practices, if you divide the, the remaining 3% between 2,500 GPs, we're just going to get a figure in 10 or 20. So so I think, unfortunately... How many um, would you need in an ideal world today if you could get your hands on it? Do you just mean eligible or people yeah. who want it? Pe- well, well, people eligible first uh, and then people that want it. Eligible first. Uh, 
no, four to five hundred. And I, I and I need a hundred and thirty seven minimum for my very high risk category. But they're not going to get one now. How are you going to decide if you do get twenty? How are you going to decide who gets it? So uh we're very uncomfortable about who deciding who gets it. We're very good at deciding who gets it. The difficulty, you know, it comes down to nuances. Um, you have a 50-year-old person with very bad COPD versus a very healthy 66-year-old. The HSE would tell us that the person over 65 is to get it. So we have to use a little bit of clinical judgment there. And wow. I, uh, you know, we, that's, not, that's not a good position for GPs to be in. We're, we're busy enough, um, but we are where we are. Um, Thankfully, I do think the Southern Hemisphere experience, I was saying this before, Patricia, is that we are going to see little flu this year. Mm. Okay, But look, I think there's a learning experience. I think, you know, we're all talking the task force mess yesterday about the um, coronavirus. I think lessons will be learned. Okay, so. And will have to be learned. We can't have this for the COVID-19 vaccine. I don't think we will. I think it'll be a lot rolled out. It's a very different vaccine. We're, we're talking about two doses and storage issues with it. Yeah. But um, yeah, I do think we there needs to be absolute prioritisation for certain groups like the flu. Um, for our point of view, we'd like a much more streamlined IT system where it would be very quick to send it. It takes about three minutes to send a, a return at the moment for one vaccine. For each vaccine? Yeah, for each vaccine. It's quite a cumbersome process. You know, so you're you know, you, you might have, let's say, 500. So 500, three minutes. That's a working week for someone. So GPs are too busy giving the vaccine. Yeah. And, and we'll worry about getting paid for it later. So what are you now? Are you all now frantically on this reimbursement site trying to get the reimbursement so that they'll free up the last 50,000? 50, 50,000. It's 20 vaccines each. It doesn't really matter at this stage. Yeah. We're still trying to, you know, if there are people allocated, we're trying to run the clinics, finish it up, get it out there. We'll worry about getting paid later. The HSE do want the data sets returned. I think they'll be very auditable and I think GPs will be able to absolutely hold their head up. Okay. Um, we, we'd love right. more vaccines. And, and yeah. they're, they're not forthcoming, unfortunately. And on the positive note of the, of the COVID vaccine in the coming months from the, the Pfizer news uh, this week, something you really welcome, Mike? Of course. And not just one named company. I, I, I think, you know, hopefully this will be open source and there'll be lots of companies and uh, that it'll be easier if it was maybe one vaccine and plentiful supplies. But I think general practice has shown we'd be certainly ready to step up and be part of giving that you know, there's two and a half thousand general practices all over Ireland. We know our patients. We have their data sets. I think, I hope that we would be part of giving it. I think we've shown with the flu thing, we're we're ready and available to give yeah, it. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. OK, listen, Mike, thank you for that. And thanks for taking time out to talk to us. Cheers, thank uh, you. Good morning to you. That is Dr. Mike Thompson of the Immokilly Medical uh, Centre. Certainly, if you are awaiting a flu vaccine. Uh, there's very few people now at this stage are going to get it like somebody was saying the, on the flu injection in Mallow only people on the priority list will get it carers are still waiting and listening to Mike with a very small number that GP practices are going to get even those on the priority list now there are going to be tens of thousands of them are not going to be receiving a flu vaccine this year all we can do is hope and pray as we, we are seeing from other countries that we don't get a bad flu this year. So therefore, if we don't get a bad flu and it won't be circulating and we're all wearing our masks and washing our hands and social distance, we won't have. It's that time of the year. Your vacation is coming up. You can already hear the beach waves, feel the warm breeze, relax and think about work. 
You really, really want it all to work out while you're away. Monday.com gives you and the team that peace of mind. When all work is on one platform and everyone's in sync, things just flow. Wherever you are, tap the banner to go to Monday.com. Hi, this is Craig Robinson from Ways to Win. And support for this podcast comes from Invesco QQQ, the official ETF of the NCAA. The future isn't scary, not realizing its potential, however, could be. Just like on the recruiting trail, I've seen potential come in many forms as a coach. Learn more at Invesco.com slash QQQ. Let's rethink possibility. Invesco Distributors, Inc. Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds, and they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. The flu, the... That the flu outbreak that we normally have, we won't have it this year. 1850-333-103. Get your pet questions in for Jane Pickett, our resident vet. That's coming up after these. You're listening to Cork Today on Replay. Phone and text lines are currently closed. Cork Today on C103. Call Patricia with your comment. 1850-333-103. And the Killarney listeners agreeing with poor Kathleen who contacted us who was out driving and a really good tyre. She's got to get a new tyre because she went over an area where there were hedge cutting and a thorn went into the side of the tyre and she's lost uh, the tyre. Uh, Killarney listeners says Kathleen is right about the hedge cutting causing punctures as it has happened and does happen. I actually hate encountering them although in fairness they are doing great work improving visibility and consequently road uh, safety but it is one of the downsides and that's from a Killarney listener thank you for that Okay Jane Pickett our resident vet from the Island Wood Veterinary Hospital in Newmarket part of the Mill Street Veterinary Group joining me Good afternoon to you Jane Good afternoon. And you are very welcome. Let's get straight in with questions for Jane. A Canturk listener says, Hi, Jane. I have a cattle dog. His ear appears to be a little bit on the sore side in that he's rubbing it off the ground. Is there anything I could do to help with it? Um, Okay, yeah. So some of the main signs of irritation um, on the ears for dogs and cats are things like, let's say, rubbing them on the ground, trying to scratch and sometimes missing with their back legs. Um, and head shaking is another really, really common one. Um, it does sound like this is a dog that's rubbing its head off the floor is, is going to be a little bit tender in the ear area. Now, that can sometimes be on the outer flappy bit of the ear called the pinna. So it can be something like a little bit of a skin irritation there, or sometimes it could be deep down into the ear itself. Um, so an ear infection. A lot of the time, it's a little bacteria or a little overgrowth of yeast. Um, that's causing an infection. Sometimes it could be something a little bit more challenging, like if they've got something stuck in there, now it's not the right season for it, but things like grass seeds, that kind of stuff is loves getting down and causing problems in ears. Um, but it's always possible, particularly if it's just one ear rather than both ears, that he's really bothering. Um, I think the best thing to do in this situation is visit your vet. Um, it may just be something as simple that they require kind of a routine parasite control or they may need their ears cleaned um, or a little bit of a topical treatment to help if there is an infection. But the 
main thing to not really kind of wait on is is getting some comfort for that little dog. Cause it, as 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 it is for you as an owner watching, it's it's very stressful for the dog itself when it's itchy and doesn't know why. Um, so I would visit your vet, uh, tell them what you've been seeing. They'll examine the ear with a little tool called an otoscope, which allows us to see deep down into the ear um, and to check out what's going on. And they'll be able to help you, A, get some comfort for your pet as immediately as they can and B, try and get to the bottom of the problem. Yeah, they don't scratch for no reason. Yeah, they don't scratch for no reason. So it definitely needs seeing too. Okay, Anne has a Labrador who had what appeared to be an upset stomach since Monday night, but she's better now today, Thursday. But still, Anne says, not fully right. Normally she wolfs down her food and and there isn't a problem. She's wondering, is there something going around like a bug at the moment that's affecting dogs? Or could there be something wrong with the dried food that I purchased on Monday? Kind regards from Anne. Ah, okay. So it could be a few things. It could be something that's eaten out and about. Dogs are great for eating things they shouldn't. Mine certainly are. Um, or it could be a change in food. So if this was a, a change in food into an, a new bag on Monday, it's a little bit suspiciously coincidental that the sign started on Monday. Um, I think I'm glad that it sounds like she's a little bit better. I hope she's on the road to recovery. But certainly if she's not back to her bright bouncing self within the next, let's say, 24 hours or if she's any worse or if you're concerned, I'd definitely see a vet because kind of being very off form for kind of since Monday is, is a long enough time for them to be feeling a bit a bit unwell in themselves. I think I'd be very curious as to whether it was something to do with the change in food or the change in bag of food. Um, given that the sign starts on Monday when you change, change that one from the sounds of it but it could be it could be a red herring it could be a little bug like ourselves that pick up now I'm not aware of anything specific going around um, but I suppose dogs will be dogs and they will tend to stick their noses into things that potentially might not be the, the nicest for them to, to eat and that they things out and about on the lawn let's say little creatures a lot of them will carry nasty bugs that will cause tummy upsets um, or it could be something as simple as a little bit of stress um, or a little virus. So there's a number of things that could be going on, but I think process of elimination, the first thing I'd recommend really in any pet with a, a, a very temporarily upset stomach if they seem otherwise well in themselves is quite a bland diet. So something simple like rice and boiled or, or dry roasted chicken, no bones obviously, um, is usually a good place to start with a bland diet. It's nice and easily digestible or there's lots of different kind of tinge products that are available from vets that are the same things but don't require cooking as it were. Um, but I really think if it's been going on since Monday, if you're not seeing a really, really magnificent, miraculous improvement in the next 24 hours back to her usual self, I'd visit the vet because we just don't want to drag on any longer for her. Exactly, exactly. Okay, Dom in McCroom, a seven-year-old Labrador. We think he may have eaten one of the children's toys. He was coughing, almost as if he was choking, and then it it passed. He gives the odd cough now and again. How do we check if he has eaten the toy, or do we just watch out to see, does he pass it? Hmm. Okay, so if... If he, if he did eat something that he shouldn't have eaten, a foreign body, uh, a children's toy, a lot of the time it'll cause, let's say, gastrointestinal signs. So things like inappetence, not wanting to eat, vomiting is a really, really common one because sometimes these things that they shouldn't eat, they do eat, um, can cause blockages. So the food can't get past, so he'll eat the food, hits the blockage, and it'll have to have to do a reverse and come back up as a vomit. Um 
I would say that coughing isn't a regular symptom. However, if it was a really small throat inventory, like something you might get out of the middle of an inside of an egg or something like that, if it's a small toy, there is always the possibility it might be lodged just in the throat itself. And that would be the kind of thing that would cause a cough. Um, if he seems otherwise well himself, he may have got away with it. But I think if you have any suspicion, I would pop him just as a, a matter of reassurance more than anything else. Pop to your vet for an exam. Now, a lot of the time, let's say confirmation that there might be a toy inside um, would be based on x-ray. And that may or may not be suitable depending on what your vet finds and, and the exact symptoms and frequency of the cough or, or other signs he may have. So your vet will be the best person to to assess that once he's ass- assessed your dog. And I think if you're concerned, the best thing is to put your mind at ease and have a chat with your vet about it. Um, these pesky little toys getting stuck places are, are a real problem. Um, I think every yeah. vet has, has a, a litany of stories about strange things they've found. I know, coming, up to, cr- coming up to Christmas, we'll be advising people about the Christmas tree. It's a kind of an annual thing that happens in, in a lot of households. Exactly. Okay, Lorraine in Carrick Tool has a neutered cat. It's a three-year-old. It's an indoor cat. Uh, she goes out to the toilet and b- b- back in again. But in the last few weeks, Lorraine has noticed that every time they put her to go out to the toilet, she's normally just in the garden, goes to the loo and then is back in again. It's looking like she's trying to explore and run away hasn't happened before she's a pure indoor pet and they're afraid that if she went off left the garden and went out and about she wouldn't survive in the wild because she's such a pure pet why would she suddenly want to start exploring I think it's a little bit natural to a degree this is normally something we see kind of in younger cats as they reach their let's say teenage equivalent which would be kind of six six to eighteen months um, they want to go out and explore like a, like any teenager um, it can somehow happen in older cats, if, particularly if something in the environment or the dynamic of the house has changed. Um, but sometimes it's just opportunistic. If the door is open, they might just want to venture outside. Um, I wouldn't be too concerned. I think the main things are just making sure that it's uh, as, as risk-free as possible. So if you guys live very close to a road for, or a busy road, for example... I'd always be very concerned, particularly living in urban areas with cats. If they are not used to dealing with traffic, that might be a risk. Um, But if it's a more rural area, a lot of the time once cats are very settled in a place and they've lived there for a little while, they're actually very, very good at as long as they don't stray too far away, finding their way back. Um, So normally they'll have their own little territory. So if your little cat's territory is their house and their garden and they don't tend to stray much further, it, it may just stay that way. I think if your cat is really, really keen to explore the great outdoors and, and you're not so sure that it, it has its bearings, as it were, um, it might sound silly, but there are such things as cat leads. Um, so I know when when I've moved house with um, some of my pets, um, when I used to live in the middle of a city and we'd move, um, we used to put our little cat on the lead and take it for walks in the garden. Now, cats are not very compliant. They'll kind of go where, wherever they want to go, not where you want yeah, to go. Yeah, it's not like um, walking a dog. Good for, not like walking a dog, but certainly for a period while they're getting used to their surroundings, um, it can be quite a useful tool to let them explore, but not, not cause themselves any grief. OK, here's a question for Jane, please. My son has recently moved into his own new home. Well done. And he'd love to get a dog. He particularly wants to get a Dalmatian. He knows the breed will require a lot of exercise. He's willing to do all of that. But where in Cork City or County should he go to get one? How do you find out where to buy a dog these days? We want nothing to do with puppy farms. We want to make sure we're doing everything right. How do you find a breeder? OK, there's a few ways of doing this. Um, if you First and foremost, I suppose, if you have your heart 100% set on getting a Dalmatian, just make sure you do lots of research about the breed. 
every single breed has their own little quirks and their health problems that they tend to be a bit more prone to. Um, so it's really important just to, to read up on those with Dalmatians. They can have problems with their hearing and also how they, they can sometimes get bladder stones as well. So off, just off the top of my head, um, I know that every breed has, has a few problems, so just being prepared for that. Um, if you don't have your heart dead set on a Dalmatian, consider rehoming. Um, there are plenty and plenty of beautiful dogs that cats out there and um, for one reason or another their kind of circumstances in their first home may not have quite worked out um, so contacting places like the, the ISPCA or other kind of local charities can sometimes be a great bet to get a really lovely dog who will appreciate a, a second chance in life but if you have your heart absolutely set on getting a Dalmatian or a specific breed first and foremost speak to your vet now this is a bit hit and miss we might know somebody in the local area that breeds that particular type of, of dog, but we might not. It's, you know, it's, it's potluck, but they might. They're a good first protocol, and they'll also help you a little bit if you have any questions about the breed. The second place I contact is the Irish Kennel Club because they tend to keep registers of, um, let's say, dogs and breeders that are registered with them um, and when they might be having puppies. So they'd be the best people to guide you in the right direction. I think the, the main things that I would say in buying any pup is make sure you see the pup with its mum and make sure you see the pup where it's kept. So no kind of boots of cars on the sides of roads or, you know, just seeing the puppy in isolation from its mum. You want to make sure that it's a good, reputable, normal place um, and it looks nice and clean and the, the dogs keep, uh, appear well kept for because you want to make sure that you're supporting breeding in the right way and you're supporting people who take care of their dogs. Um, so just be a little bit careful about that. But um, they're the main places I'd ask. Yeah, and they're they're costly as well. He'll pay. Her mm. son will pay. Anyway, uh, listen, uh, Jane, thank you for that. Have a lovely week and we'll chat next Thursday. You too. Thank you. Thanks for joining us. Jane Pickett of the Island Wood Veterinary Hospital in Newmarket, part of the Mill Street uh, Veterinary Group. Uh, Michael has been on to say, Patricia, how are you doing? I was listening to you talk with uh, Dr. Mike about the vaccines. I texted you earlier this week on the shambles, I feel, that the flu vaccine has turned out to be this year. It makes it absolutely imperative that a different and a workable solution is put in place before the COVID-19 vaccine comes on stream. I was waiting ages for my flu vaccine, but thankfully I got it this week after it being cancelled previously due to it not being delivered when it was meant to be. I think the GPs are at their wits end dealing with this and I hear some are getting dogs abuse from some people to which that seems very unfair. I hope the GPs are in that working group for the delivery of the COVID-19 vaccine. This can't be messed up when it comes on stream. 100% Michael it can't, yeah, and I hope you're right. I hope they do have the GPs involved. I mean, even listening to Dr Mike he was saying that they are the ones with the cold face they know they know the patients they know the ones in the at risk categories they know the ones that are going to need to get it first so yes absolutely first and foremost that we need to have the GPs involved but it saddens me to read your text to hear the GPs and, and I imagine it's their receptionists are taking abuse from people who are ringing up looking to get the vaccine and of course if they don't have the vaccine they can't give you an appointment to come in and uh, get it and I think there's going to be a lot of disappointed people today and tomorrow who will be getting phone calls from their GPs who were expecting to get their final delivery and even their final delivery wasn't going to be enough and even when they release the last 50,000 Dr Mike reckons it'll work out at about 20 vaccines per GP practice with you know so many practices having I mean I read out of one Galway doctor who has over 1,200 patients waiting in the at-risk group and she'll only get 20 
There's going to be a lot of disappointed people. Okay, listen, that's where we leave it for today. My thanks to Sadie and to John Paul for taking your calls today. We're back tomorrow when we'll be celebrating 30 years of the programme. I'm really looking forward to that. Hope you can join us from 10 o'clock. Nick is with you for the afternoon. I'll talk to you tomorrow at 10. Until then, I'm Patricia Messenger. A very good afternoon. Flexibility is great. That's why there's yoga. Flexibility for your insurance coverage is great too. That's why there's United Healthcare Insurance Plans. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, United Healthcare Insurance Plans offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. One of these plans may be right for you if you're, say, between jobs, coming off your parents' plan, turning a side hustle into a full hustle, or even missed open enrollment. Want more flexibility? Find out more about United Healthcare Insurance Plans at uh1.com. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style.